The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. We've been spending time in the book of Acts looking at uh, God's pattern for thriving kingdom and what we'd like to consider this morning is the fear of the Lord, walking in the fear of the Lord, which is one of the attributes of the early church. And we'll go to the book of Acts in a little bit to, uh, to consider that and look at that exhibited in the early church and in the kingdom of God. And it certainly applies in a church context that we need to have a, a reverential awe and a wonder and an amazement at the greatness of our God, but it also applies in uh, daily life as well. And uh, before we make our way to the book of Acts and try to consider that, I'd like to present a few verses for you to be, to be meditating on throughout the course of the message. Psalm 25, <clears throat> Psalm 25, verses 12 to 14. I've, I've really been trying to meditate on these verses a lot the last few months, and uh, I, I hope maybe uh, at a future date, Lord willing, to spend more time on the fear of the Lord and, and other attributes of fear and uh, maybe we can address that more in depth, uh, and hopefully uh, this message will be edifying, uh, but it will be uh, uh, pretty high level, and we'll, you may not want to turn to all these places, uh, maybe just jot some things down, but listen uh, and hopefully get the, uh, the tenor of what God's Word is saying. Uh, uh, Psalm 25, Psalm 25 and verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord, him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. There in verse 13, it says that this person that fears the Lord that uh, walks with a conscious reality of the fear and the awe and the wonder and the reverential awe of God, his soul shall dwell at ease. And I don't know about you, but that is a condition that I desire to be in <laughs> because many times my soul is not at ease. My soul can be troubled about many different things. And Jesus knows that, you know, he, right before he's about to go to the cross, he tells the disciples there in John chapter 14 and verse one, let not your heart be troubled, right? Believe in God, uh, believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be troubled, but your soul will dwell at ease. And then also God will, will guide you and direct you. Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose and God will give you by the direction and the guidance of his spirit great clarity, I believe, in many of the decisions you have to make. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. There's a lot of people get down the rabbit hole of the secret will of God and the secret things of God, and that doesn't mean that God's concealing anything from you and he's going to open up secrets, but uh, what that's saying is simply that the Holy Spirit will direct and guide you in the right pathway, and he will reveal things that you previously didn't see before. He will show them his covenant. His soul shall dwell at ease for our soul to be in peace. That's the, that's the effect. But what's the cause? What's the cause that our soul will dwell at ease? The man that fears the Lord. Okay, and these are, the, these are the thoughts I want you to consider as you go through this. Um, number one, what do we fear? Okay, what do we fear? And then what fear or what attributes of that fear are the things that dictate our actions? Okay, because what we fear, whether it be the Lord or whether it be man or a fear of the unknown or a fear of death or a fear of failure or whatever. I mean, you can, it's quite the, 
abyss if you start getting down the rabbit hole. You can be afraid of anything, right? What dictates your actions? And I want you to understand that unless the fear of the Lord is the primary focus of what's dictating your actions, your soul will rarely dwell at ease, okay? <clears throat> your soul will rarely dwell at ease because if, if uh, the fear of man or the fear of what other people think or the fear of popular opinion or the fear of losing your job or the fear of uh, not or being ostracized from some friend group, whatever it is, if there is something other than the fear of the Lord that's the primary factor that's dictating your actions, inevitably you will be in opposition many times because you you'll be forced to make a decision, okay? And then what is going to be the factor that dictates that decision? And all of this is so interconnected Maybe we can tie some of this together, I believe, uh, as I've been trying to meditate on this. Um, the fear of the Lord is so connected with love and with faith, okay? First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. And he that feareth, is not made perfect in love. Now, the fear of the Lord is very healthy. It's healthy. It's necessary. And God has also given us something in our biology that when we get afraid in and of itself, that initial emotion is not necessarily a bad thing, okay? Because, you know, you need to have a degree of caution when you get close to the edge of the cliff. You know, you need to have a degree of caution uh, when you're in certain situations. And God has, like, wired us biologically that when you get in some of those situations, your, your, uh, your awareness is heightened and you have a greater focus. And that can, can be beneficial in the right context. But, boy, if you let it get beyond that just natural biological awareness of a situation... I believe that we've all experienced the torment of fear, right? Have you, have you experienced that? The, the crippling torment, the paralyzing uh, torment of fear. And every time that I get down that rabbit hole and I feel like that I'm just overwhelmed with all the cares and the troubles of this world and afraid of this and that and the other, this verse is always so convicting to me because that is just an evidence that I'm simply not obeying the greatest commandment the way I need to be doing it. Perfect love cast out fear. What's the greatest commandment? To love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your mind. And another point in relation to this is that I believe what we fear will be directly attributed to what we love the most, okay? <clears throat> and, and when I say love the most, understand many of these discussions, it's not a 100% and a zero discussion, okay? Uh, obviously, when I say we have the fear of man, that doesn't mean that you have a 0% uh, love of the Lord, right? Uh, but these kind of things can creep in and they can affect our, our pursuit of uh, following that greatest commandment. So what I mean by that <clears throat> is that if you are concerned too much so and find self-worth or value or, or love in the opinions of other people, okay, then your fear will be losing what you desire, right? Your, your, your fear will be losing the popular opinion that you desire. So therefore, that fear will dictate you trying to protect what you really desire and what you really love. So therefore, you might be tempted to, to compromise something that may, may might even be in contradiction to God's Word because you ultimately, more so than the only thing that I truly desire is the honor and the approval of God, the, that answer of a good conscience before the Lord. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, I serve the Lord with a pure conscience. And that's, that's a soul that dwells at ease, right? But understand, if you serve God with a pure conscience, inevitably there will be people 
that disagree with you, that don't like you, that when you, if you let your light shine, darkness in this world simply doesn't like it, okay? And we have to get comfortable with that. And we have to decide what fear is going to dictate our actions, okay? And I wanna, we're going to get over there in the book of Acts, but um, ultimately the church got to the point you know, boy it, boy, it was a happy time on the day of Pentecost, baptizing 3,000 people. Then they have a little bit of persecution, get thrown in prison, 5,000 men join the church, and everything's, everything's going great. But then, now they're getting a little bit of persecution. And then there were people that were telling them, the, the, the political leaders of the day that had, had the ability uh, to have some legal proceedings and to throw them in prison, and they said, Don't, do not speak in the name of Jesus Christ. And they said, listen, we cannot obey you. <laughs> okay? We can't. Because we have a higher responsibility than just comfort and ease and, being, uh, and making sure we don't offend someone in this community. And if, it, if those are in prison, that's just the, the Lord's going to protect us in prison. That's just the way things go. But they said... We ought to obey God rather than man. But I'll tell you, if you're terrified of what people think of you, you will compromise. You will compromise the Word of God if your primary decision-making factor is the approval of other people, the fear of other people, but the fear of the Lord allows you to put that in the right context, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that we... Uh, they're in the book of Acts... Uh, uh, there were times that the Apostle Paul felt so burdened by the Holy Spirit. He said, I don't care if people are trying to kill me. The Lord has opened a door right here. And yes, there are many adversaries, but I'm going to stand strong and the Lord is going to protect me because there's a work for me to do right here. But there were other times where people were ready to kill him. He said, you know what? We're, just, we're going to go to the next city. You know, we're going to, we're going to uh, alleviate ourselves from this dangerous situation. You know, the fear of the Lord is not acting like you're bulletproof. <laughs> you want to know what the fear of the Lord leads you to? Wisdom. Wisdom, okay, to be able to evaluate situations and make the right decision at the right time. Uh, that there's a verse, uh, I want to read this, this one again for you. Uh, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul will dwell at ease, okay? His soul will dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. And I believe there's a companion verse in association with this. Uh, <clears throat> Isaiah 26 and in verse 3 and 4, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So I believe that we could all say that we certainly desire our soul to dwell at ease and for us to be in perfect peace. Okay, well, what are the attributes of those that, live in that peace that passes all understanding. What are the attributes of those people? Those that fear the Lord, those that trust in the Lord, and those whose mind is stayed on Christ. Because I'll tell you, if your mind is continually consumed with all of the world around us and all the troubles of life under the sun, <laughs> you know, that, that was a lot of the problem of uh, Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, right? There was a time where his focus was not on all the things under the sun. There was a time where his focus was looking up toward heaven and the God of heaven. But then he began to live in sin. He began to pursue other things than solely the love of the Lord and the fear of the Lord. Isn't that something? Isn't that something that, that the man who the Lord used in such a powerful way in Solomon... And the Spirit of God moved in him to pen those words in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. By the end of his life, not only was he not fearing the Lord, he was worshiping other gods. And all that wisdom that he was walking with the Spirit of the Lord in, uh, in his younger days, you read Ecclesiastes and he's saying it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. Everything's horrible. Everything. Well, yeah, everything under the sun is. <laughs> you have to have the right perspective, right? And it's just such a, such a cautionary tale of Solomon that someone who the Lord, who was so close with the Lord at, at 
moments in his life that by the end of it, you want to know really the, the spiral downward? I think we can make a large case. The spiral downward for Solomon began with him forsaking the fear of the Lord, right? And then what happens when you forsake the fear of the Lord? That's the beginning of wisdom. All of a sudden, that wisdom he used to have just evaporated, <laughs> right? Because he lost track of the fear of the Lord. Keep your mind focused on the Lord, trust in the Lord, fear the Lord, and you will have, when you have to make hard decisions, okay, life under the sun is hard. Solomon was right about that, okay? You have to make hard decisions, and whatever decision you make, many of them are not, that's why, you, that's why wisdom is so important. Many of them are not, uh, many of life's decisions are not right and wrong, sin and not sin. No, most of life's decisions is not a, a decision between sin and not sin. Because for a child of God, that, that's an easy decision. Okay, But if it's not directly contrary to God's word, okay, then how do I have the wisdom to know what the right decision is in the right time and the right circumstance? I tell you, it has to start, the, 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 the beginning of your decision-making has to start with a reverential awe and wonder and glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It has to start there, okay? A couple verses about uh, maybe the wrong application of fear. Um, in Psalms, and this is all throughout the book of the Psalms, uh, all throughout the Bible and the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 34 and verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me. I mean, what do you need to do when, when that fear, that tormenting fear comes in your life? What do you need to do? Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there, right? I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 56, verse 3, what time I'm afraid. What's the, what's the right response when you've become afraid in a... If you'll allow me to use this phrase, I don't want to be too harsh, but this has been my personal conviction. When you get to the point of being that afraid, it's sin, okay? It's sin. It's not just that, oh, it's a struggle. No, it's sin, because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And fear is the opposite of faith, okay? And if fear is the opposite of faith, then that is sin. It's sin. So what is my response when that fear begins to control me? What's my response? Pray unto the Lord, right? Delivered unto him. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. Okay, now remember... What's the effect of having your mind stayed on the Lord and trusting in the Lord? Thou will keep him in perfect peace. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. Verse 11. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. You know? You know, God's sovereign and he sees fit to suffer certain things and he doesn't always stop every wicked work and um, God's sovereign and his will is still good, acceptable, and perfect even when he doesn't prevent the natural discourse of a fallen world and bad things happening, life under the sun, okay? <clears throat> but understand, there is no ability, there is no ability for anyone that you fear, particularly any man, to do anything to you to circumvent the protective hedge and the blessing of the Lord. They can't get around it, okay? Now, the Lord in his wisdom sees fit to remove that hedge from time to time according to his will and for his own purposes. We see that with Job and many other circumstances. But understand, that person that you may fear is not sovereign. <laughs> They're not sovereign. And they are not the, re the person you really need to fear. Instead, what do you do? You trust the, the true sovereign and reverence him and know the Lord's going to take care of his children. He's promised us that. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake. A couple of verses in relation to that. Luke chapter 12, verses 29 to 32. This is 
you know, um, we get afraid from time to time. Um, how am I going to be able to provide for my basic necessities? And understand, we in America, we have a much different definition of basic necessities uh, than is applicable in the early New Testament, okay? Uh, our definition of basic necessities, I mean, the, the lowest uh, level of poverty in America is still very prosperous in relation to the majority of the history of the world, okay? Um, and if you're concerned about your basic necessities, please come and talk to me <laughs> uh, in, and those in the church because I'll tell you, there are plenty of people that would be willing to sacrifice uh, to provide for your basic necessities. Now, that doesn't mean we're willing to sacrifice for you to go buy the extra boat or the extra, extra car, you know. But if you can't provide for yourself, you let people in the church know and we'll make some sacrifices to make sure you're taken care of. But you don't need to be afraid that the Lord's not going to give you your daily bread, especially if you've been faithful to pray that prayer in the morning that he gives us in the model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. You want to know why? Because the Lord gives daily bread to the sparrows who didn't pray that prayer, who he doesn't love. <laughs> okay? This is the next verse of the sparrows are. We'll go ahead and read this one. Luke chapter 12, verse 29. Seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be of a doubtful mind. Don't be afraid. Don't be of a doubtful mind. For all these things, the basic necessities of life, do the nations of the world seek after <laughs> And your God, your Father, knoweth you have need of all these things. You put the kingdom first, but rather seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. Sheep get skittish sometimes. Fear not. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. When we talk about perfect peace, when we're talking about our soul shall dwell at ease, that doesn't always mean that the circumstances around us are always peaceful and easy to deal with. I mean, uh, just a, a very simple example of that is Jesus told the disciples, you go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then what happened when they were obeying the command of Jesus and they were in the will of the Lord, if you will, what happened? There was a great tempest that came. And what did they do? Instead of saying what they should have done, uh, they should have reasoned by faith. Well, you know, this tempest, you know, it does look severe. But you know what? The Lord told us we're going to the other side. Jesus said we're going to make it. So therefore, you know, it may be a little bumpy in the middle, but we don't have to be concerned that we're not going to reach our destination because Jesus said that. Instead, what do they do? The word fear is commonly used in all of those accounts. They got afraid. They got afraid. And by the way, Fear always quenches faith. Fear always quenches faith. They got afraid. And then what did they say? Oh, Lord, are you going to let us pass, uh, pass away here in the, middle of the, uh, in the middle of the sea? And then Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith, right? What happened? They got afraid. And all of a sudden, fear just quenched their faith, okay? And... When faith is quenched, what do they start doing? They start either forgetting or not trusting in the promise that God had already made for them, okay? But faith trusts in that promise. So fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But when you dwell, uh, when your soul is dwelling at ease in the fear of the Lord, that does not mean that there are not going to be external circumstances that under normal circumstances would make you... The, the, the definition of fearing the Lord and your soul dwelling at ease is that even if everything around you is in chaos, you have an internal peace because you know you're right with the Lord, okay? I hope I'm expressing that correctly because when you make difficult decisions there will always be someone that you offend, okay? Always. But you have to be comfortable. Who do I really love? Who do I really fear? And who am I comfortable being offended by? And that answer cannot be I'm comfortable compromising the Lord and the fear of the Lord. 
Because if someone else tells you to do something that's contrary to God's word, and then you stand firm, fear of the Lord, you do the right thing, you express yourself clearly, speak the truth in love, and say, no, I can't do that because of this, this, and this, and they disagree, you know what? That friendship or that relationship may either be strained or maybe even fractured. But you know what? You're okay with that. You're okay with that because you know that I made the right decision according to my conscience and I honored the Lord. Now, if you don't speak the truth in love, you know, don't, don't go be, I'll tell you all the time, don't, don't be a jerk to people, right? If that's the reason the relationship fractured, that's on you, okay? <laughs> but if you just hold firm and speak the truth in love, and, and the consequences is that uh, a relationship is strained. I, I hope you've experienced this, that even when I've had to make a difficult decision and people that I interact with are not happy with me, I'm okay with that because I know that I've served the Lord. Now, I want to give you a, a word of caution, okay? <laughs> it's very easy for in our prideful nature for us to start getting the big head and be like, I'm right and everybody else is wrong, okay? The fear of the Lord will not lead you to that. The fear of the Lord will lead you to humility, okay? The multitude of counselors, there is safety. But you know what? There is a possibility that those counselors could be wrong. It's a possibility. But I would say it's a minority of the time when good, godly counselors are all incorrect, Okay, so I want you, I want to caution you and make sure we put this in the right context. That there's a lot of people that are zealots that say, you know, I'm serving the Lord and I'm right and everybody else is wrong. If you start making statements like that, I can almost definitively tell you you're in the wrong. Okay, so at the end of the day, yes, we ought to obey God rather than man. God be true and every man a liar. But if you think that you're standing, I'm not saying uh, if you're standing in a minority, you know, sometimes the majority is rarely right, especially in the world, okay? Uh, don't, don't go against the majority of the church if the Spirit's moving, okay? But be very cautious. Be very cautious to not develop a prideful mindset to say, I'm right and everybody else is wrong, and do not justify that by saying, God told me this. I'm right because I'm serving God and everybody else is wrong. If you get down that rabbit hole, I can almost guarantee you then that's just pride. That's not the Lord, okay? <clears throat> so that's my word of caution. Okay, Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. <clears throat> Fear them not. This is talking about men, okay? Fear not. He's sending them out here. Uh, he's sending out the disciples. You go out without script. I'm sending you forth as... Uh, a sheep in the midst of wolves. People are going to be trying to hurt you. I mean, yes, you, you used to live a very comfortable life as a fisherman, but now I'm sending you out to shine light in the midst of darkness, and there will be wolves who desire to hurt you, okay? But don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. Fear them not, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. God's sovereign. He knows the thoughts and the intents of everybody's heart. He's in control of every action here in this world, and he's either suffering it or preventing it according it to his own will. And don't be concerned that somebody's going to trick or flank the Lord. No, they are submissive to his sovereign authority, and they can only do what he suffers them to do, okay? Because of that, you should have boldness. What I told you in darkness, you speak in the light. And what ye hear in the ear, preach ye on the housetops. Fear not them which kill the body, but are able to kill the soul, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, for ye are of more value than many sparrows. You know, those sparrows aren't, aren't walking around every day in the fear of the Lord. But you know what? Just because God is a benevolent, benevolent creator, 
He makes sure that he provides for all of even the animals of his creation, the, the birds and the fowls of his creation. <clears throat> you know, I thought recently, um, you know, God is just such a, uh, such a good and a loving God, even to those who hate him. Do you understand that, that the unregenerate people, uh, especially those that are more, more open and openly blaspheme the name of the Lord, the Lord allows them to breathe his air every single day. He allows them to have daily bread. He allows them to have some degree of, uh, many of them have families, and, and you know they don't have the agape love uh, of the Holy Spirit, but you know they have some degree of enjoyment of family, and, and you know they can enjoy the sunshine and a nice day just like we can. Uh, they don't attribute it to the Lord in the way that, that we do, but, but I mean... Look how good the Lord is, even to people that hate him, that blaspheme against him. And he's so good to the, the creation, I mean, the sparrows, and he takes care of the lilies, right? If he's that good to people that hate him, and he's that good to just almost kind of neutral animals that uh, he cares for just because he's a creation... Uh, he's a benevolent creator, how much more so will he care for his children than he sent his son to die for, right? There's no reason we should ever doubt that. Fear ye not, therefore, for you have more value than many sparrows. Do not let the fear of man, the fear of what other people might think, the fear of losing some station or popular opinion, that cannot be the primary determining factor of our decision making. Now, that doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand and don't think about co actions have consequences, right? And part of wisdom, part of wisdom is not just saying, I think this is right and I'm just going to barrel ahead. Wisdom is the ability to evaluate both sides of a situation and to look at them clearly through the lens of God's word and through the lens of the Holy Spirit and to evaluate them properly and to not just say that I'm self-justifying that this is right and I'm just feeding that to try to support a decision that I've already decided I want to make anyway. Wisdom is the ability to evaluate both sides and say, you know what? The pros are, are greater than the cons. So you don't stick your head in the sand and say... <clears throat> that I don't care who I offend. That's just who I am, and I'm serving the Lord. That's just pride and sin, okay? Wisdom evaluates both sides. And you know what? Am I willing, you know, praise God for the First Amendment in America, but if we put ourselves back in this first century church, am I willing to commit to make sure that I'm serving the Lord with a pure conscience, but if the... Effects of that are either I go to jail and I'm persecuted for righteousness, or maybe you, maybe even I'm like Stephen and I'm martyred. You don't ignore the consequences of your actions, but you put them in the right context, okay? And the fear of the Lord allows you to do that. Um, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction, all right? Now we know from the Psalms that the fool has said in his heart there is no God, right? So what's the definition of a fool? What's the definition of a fool? Well, the beginning of it is one who does not fear God, right? And there's no fear of God before the wicked, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of children of God that act like fools sometimes because they're not walking in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not the primary determining factor of their decision-making. And you know what? It, let's say, uh, again, it's just amazing, such a cautionary tale. Um, Let him that thinks he standeth take heed lest he fall. Solomon, who warned against the strange woman so consistently in the book of Proverbs, because there was a time that he had the fear of the Lord and the wisdom to discern that. 
You want to know who, who he got deceived by that started him down the rabbit trail of, of apostasy and idolatry? Strange women, right? That's what started the descent. <laughs> so he should have been able to evaluate this, evaluate this decision in wisdom and the Holy Spirit, and if he was walking closely with the Lord and his primary determining factor was the fear of the Lord, he would say, no, I'm not going to. And, and even if in that moment he was getting confused, the least he could do is open back up the inspired word that he'd written years before, <laughs> right? But instead what he did is now all of a sudden the fear of the Lord is not the discerning factor through which, and now all of a sudden Solomon by the end of his life is a fool. He's a born-again fool, Right? Because he is not walking in the fear of the Lord. Okay? Let him that thinks he standeth take heed lest he fall. I'll tell you, Solomon is such a sobering tale because he lost the reverence. And I'll tell you, another, another very, very perilous danger that we have, and Solomon did not handle it well, they had some of the most amazing prosperity that the world had ever seen. I mean, gold and silver were like gravel out in our driveways. They were so prosperous. And what happened in the midst of prosperity? What happened in the midst of prosperity? I believe that he lost that reverence of <laughs> Almighty God. Instead, I, don't, I, doubt, I doubt that he maybe made this exact statement that Nebuchadnezzar did, but I guarantee you it crept into his mind. Look at great Jerusalem that my hands have built. <laughs> I guarantee you that kind of thought popped in his head. And now all of a sudden it's not, it's not look at the power of God and the, the blessing upon undeserving Jews who our whole history has been nothing but messing up. And look what God has done for us. That's how he was when the, when the temple was, uh, was, was dedicated. But then there came a time, a, a time where all of a sudden, I believe he lost that reverence of like, look what God's done for us. Instead, look at all this prosperity. He, he got distracted. He got distracted. He lost the fear of the Lord. And then he just started down the spiral. Okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And if you love the Lord... I know that that statement that fools, fool us in his heart, there is no God, that doesn't apply to you in an unregenerate sense. But I'll tell you, children of God can lose sight of the fear of the Lord and make foolish decisions that look just like the world. Mm -hmm. Where does it start with? Losing that reverence and fear of the Lord. I guarantee you, where, where I, the point I was getting to with a strange woman is that there should have come a point if Solomon was, was right with the Lord, where he would have said, I'm not going to do this because the Lord sees everything that I'm doing, and I know that's wrong. He should have had a, a, a reminder of the, the omnipresence and the perfect, not the omni, omniscience and the, the perfect knowledge of God that there's no way I'm going to do this because... I know that it's dishonoring to God, disobeying his word, and just that alone says, I'm not going to do that. But he lost sight of that, okay? He lost sight of that because he was not walking in the fear of the Lord. Let's go ahead, uh, let's go to, <clears throat> let's go ahead and go to Acts chapter 9 and get that language, okay? Acts chapter 9, because uh, I, I'm sure you're like me, that if anyone asks me, do I fear the Lord? I can't, I can't envision any scenario that I would ever say no. I mean, like, I'm not going to cognitively say, you know, do you fear the Lord? Of course I feel, fear the Lord. I would never say that I don't fear the Lord. But the question is not, do you say yes if someone asks you if you fear the Lord? The question is, what reverence is dictating your walk and your actions on a daily basis? Okay, that's the determining factor. So the early, early church here, <clears throat> Acts chapter 9, um, Saul of Tarsus has been regenerated, he's been converted, he's been baptized, he goes and preaches in Damascus. Now he's preaching in Jerusalem. They originally are very wary of him. Barnabas stands up for him. And now the, the chief enemy, it's just amazing how the Lord and his providence and his power works. The reason why, we've talked about this, the reason why the church spread was because of the persecution of Saul of Tarsus, 
Now he's back in Jerusalem where he made everybody spread from, and now he's preaching that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ. <laughs> Amazing. The power of the Holy Spirit. So now he's back in Jerusalem preaching that Jesus is the Christ. Amazing conversion. And, but this is the attribute of the entire church here at this time. Acts chapter 9, <clears throat> verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord. And this is closely associated with this too, by the way. In the comfort of the Holy Ghost. The fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And then what happens? What happens? You're walking in the fear of the Lord. Because you're doing that, the Holy Ghost is ministering to you and comforting to you. And, I mean, we, hope, we desire for our churches to grow and thrive, right? What's the effect of that? They were multiplied. They were multiplied. Now, we don't have time to go through all this um, in the book of Acts. But there are so many occasions where it says that fear came upon every soul. I want to highlight just Acts chapter 2. We know these really well. Now, they continued there in verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. And the very first thing, I mean, we talk about those four, four core things, right? This is the identifying marks of the primitive church. What's the very first thing after those four core activities? What's the very first thing that said? And fear came upon every soul. And then you have Acts chapter 5, you have Ananias and Sapphira, and they're uh, uh, giving the pretense that they're giving everything. They're lying to the Holy Ghost and trying to get attention for themselves. And the Lord strikes them dead for it. Well, what happened? Fear came upon every soul. Uh, now, praise God, praise God that we do not approach into Mount Sinai. We, we, we approach into Mount Zion. It's the joy of the whole earth. Mm -hmm. But listen, we, we, we can laugh. We can be joyful. This is a place of joy, okay? But we, we need to be reverent. We need to be reverent in worship. And there were some people that were trying to, uh, they desired the praise of men more than the praise of God, and they lied about how much they gave. And I mean, I don't necessarily know the eternal state of Ananias and Sapphira, um, but I don't necessarily have any reason to try to throw them in hell. But you know what? They, regardless of their eternal state, they desired the praise of men more than the praise of God. They lied to the Holy Ghost and God struck them dead. <laughs> well, you want to talk about getting people's attention. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with the amount of money you gave, but you desired the attention and the praise of men more than just, you know, that, that widow that gave two mites, she didn't blow a trumpet when she did it. It was between her and the Lord. It was between her, and I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit ministered to the heart of that widow that gave two mites, and I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit let her have a purity of conscience in her heart. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's all that mattered. That's, where that's the point we got to get to, okay? That the... the Approval of the Lord in our conscience is the primary determining factor of our actions. And you know what? If you felt that, if you felt both sides, I felt both sides of it. I mean, I, there, there are times I've made bad decisions for the wrong reason, and I felt the conviction. You know, externally, everything may have been, you know, it's not like it was a dumpster fire all around me, but internally, I just had no peace, no conviction. Uh, I mean, nothing but conviction, rather. But you know what? I had to change, change some actions, and all of a sudden now I feel the answer of a good conscience. Well, it's evident that I was not doing the right thing there. But I've been on the other side of it too, where there's a lot of people who weren't happy with me in the right circumstance. But you know what? I was okay with that because I believe in that circumstance I was serving the Lord in what I was called to at that moment. Okay? Now again, take that with caution. <laughs> Don't get prideful. And start acting like you're the Lone Ranger and you're the only one that's right, okay? But if you've experienced both sides of that, if you've experienced both sides of that, let me tell you, there's only one place you want to be. And it's okay for other people to not be a big fan of me. <laughs> if I can feel the blessing of a pure conscience before the Lord, knowing I've done the right, especially when it was hard. <laughs> I'll tell you when, you, when you've been forced to do the right thing, 
and you're the only one that's willing to do it, boy, that, that peace of conscience means so much more. <laughs> Especially when the opposition is much more intense. In uh, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, you have the 5,000 men join, they're thrown in prison, they get threatened. <clears throat> and they say, look, there, there, was a, there was a time, there was a time when Jesus was arrested that these disciples let fear dictate their actions, right? And I'll tell you, they made mistakes. They were men. They made mistakes. But they, they made a commitment that said, we're not going to make them. I and you're going to make mistakes, but don't make the same mistake over and over and over again. We're not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> so you know what? Uh, we got nervous the first time when uh, the authorities came to arrest Jesus. And we ran away and we forsook him. And, and all of them, for, I mean, Peter's, Peter's highlighted by the Holy Spirit, and there's a reason for that to show the, how the Lord used him in the book of Acts in spite of all his shortcomings. But every single one of those, of those disciples got afraid, and they were more concerned about the convenience of the moment than honoring the Lord by defending the Lord Jesus. And now, the second time when they're threatened and they say, don't you dare preach in the name of Jesus. They said, listen, guys, <laughs> we don't care what you think. <laughs> we, we made that mistake once, okay? We let the fear of man dictate our actions once, but it's not happening today. <laughs> and they said, and I love the kind of the humility of this, you know, look, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Peter and John answered, this is Acts chapter 4 and verse 19, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God, judge ye. <laughs> look, you know what? You may have a different opinion of if God's calling us to do this or not, but it's not, I don't really care if you think that he's telling us to do this or not. I know it's what I'm supposed to do. And if you think we're wrong, that's between you and the Lord. And you know what? What I'm called to do is between me and the Lord. <laughs> he said, if you think we're wrong, that's between you and the Lord, but we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. Because I'll tell you, Peter, especially Peter, he, he knew what going out and weeping bitter tears, bitter tears felt like when Jesus looked on him after he denied him. And he said, if I can help it, I ain't doing that again. I'm not denying him again. I'm going to stand up boldly and preach because it's, a, it's better to be in prison. You know, Paul and Silas there in Philippi being in prison with, uh, with their, their, the flesh wounds still open from being beaten, but they were singing and, and praying to God at midnight. They said, you know, it's our privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ. And yes, there are people that, that think that, that we are, that they're deceived and they feel like that we're heretics. <laughs> they, feel, they feel like that we're preaching heresy. But you know what? They're wrong. They're wrong because actually we're serving the God of our fathers. And these people are just plumb wrong. And we hope the Holy Spirit will show them that at a later date. But you know what? I'm not concerned about me having to, to suffer here in the, in the prison and being beaten because, yes, my back hurt, but my conscience is right with the Lord. And I guarantee you there in that moment when they were singing and pray, uh, praying and singing praises to God there in that uh, Philippian jail, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit was ministering to their conscience saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yes, my back hurts, but it's okay because my conscience is right with the Lord. Um, our time's pretty much gone. I want to, <clears throat> I want to highlight a couple verses for you. Um, you can just listen to these. I have a note on my phone, <clears throat> I have a note on my phone called God pleasers, not man pleasers. God pleasers, not man pleasers. And these are some verses that's in that note. <clears throat> try to look at this very often because we have to be, I just want to understand we have to be comfortable. Okay. We have to be comfortable making decisions that honor the Lord, even if they're hard, okay? Because if you let the fear of man, the fear of failure, it doesn't matter what the fear is. If you let those be the decision-making factors, inevitably, you will not follow the Lord in the path of discipleship in the manner that you're called to, okay? Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. 
For do I now persuade men or God? I mean, why am I called to preach? Am I called to, you know, there's people that uh, in the latter days, and not just in the latter days, in the first century and today too, they're happy to just preach things that uh, satisfy people that have itching ears, right? Because they they are worried about filthy lucre and they, they just want position and they want people to, uh, not only do they want to make money, but they want to be popular and uh, be they want people to know who they are. Uh, there, there's a verse uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, or maybe 2 Corinthians 6, but there's a phrase in there. Paul said, look, these are all the things I've suffered for the kingdom. Prisonments, beatings, all this stuff. And he, he makes a few statements in there. Uh, as unknown, yet well-known. My goal is to be unknown. But you know what? If you, if you make that com commitment in the right context and with the right people, you're going to be well-known. Unknown, but yet well-known. Having nothing, yet possessing all things. But if you want to be exalted, there's plenty of people that if you're looking for the praise of men, you can find some, even if it's in the dark recesses of the, of the wackos on the internet, you can find somebody that will agree with you. <laughs> Okay, you will find somebody that will like you. Okay, but that doesn't mean the Lord's going to agree with it. Okay, Paul says, "If I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ." I mean, look, to be friends of the world is to be the enemy of Christ. There's no middle ground. If my goal is to please men and to scratch people's itching ears then I guarantee you, you will compromise the truth of God's word as a preacher. I guarantee you, you will. Because your ultimate goal is not to honor the Lord in preaching and not to make uh, and not to never have any conflict. If you desire for people to always agree with you, you will compromise God's word. Okay? So get comfortable with the fact that ultimately... We please the Lord and not men. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And I have verse, verse 3 in all bold in my note. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. I know nothing of myself. Yet I am not hereby justified. But he that judges me is the Lord. And that goes right in conjunction with Romans chapter 14 and verse 4. Uh, Who art thou that judges another man's servant? His own, to his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up, for the Lord is able to make him stand. At the end of the day, you have to, between you and the Lord in your bower of prayer, it's between you and the Lord of whether you've done the right thing or not. Okay? It's between you and him. And you know what? Everyone else may have a right perception of you but maybe you've compromised something. That's between you and the Lord, and the Lord will let you know. The Lord will let you know in your bower of prayer if you have put something ahead of him. Now, that, like I said, that doesn't mean we're a bull in a china shop and we stick our head in the, in the sand. He said, it is to me a very small thing that I be judged of you. That doesn't mean I ignore it. You know, sometimes in our areas of Christian liberty, we say, you know what? The peace of the church is more important than my opinion. I'm happy to pass it uh, to put down my opinion for uh, to exalt someone else who may be a weak brother and struggling and things such as that. It doesn't mean you ignore it, but it cannot be the primary determining factor. It's a small thing. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. Uh, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust of the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Um, we ought to obey God rather than man. Um, we're going to have to skip most of these. Um, I do want to highlight, though, I, I haven't specifically mentioned this verse yet. Uh, Proverbs 29 and verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And you know what, Peter? Zealous man powerful preacher in the book of Acts, but there came a time in Galatians chapter 2, and I want to highlight this language that the Holy Spirit highlights this. Um, Peter was 
compromising, Paul says, the truth of the gospel because he was showing hypocrisy between Gentiles and, and Jews here in Galatians chapter 2. And he says the reason why he did this, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 12, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Peter even got to the point where, you know what, he was hanging out with the Gentiles and being friendly with them. But when the Jews from Jerusalem came that he knew were the, were the legalists and the Pharisees, he said, you know what, I better, better back away and make sure I don't make them mad at me. And he said, look, it's not just that you're doing wrong. It's that you are compromising the gospel by you doing this. But even Peter, in his older, mature state, let the fear of man make him do something that was detrimental to the kingdom because he was afraid of... <laughs> this is another verse, uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I tried to remember this when I was... Uh, being ordained, and I'm still not very tough, but maybe I'm a tougher than I was seven years ago. But behold, I made, uh, he told Ezekiel, behold, I made thy face strong against their faces, thy forehead strong against their foreheads, as an adamant harder than a flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks. You know, sometimes the, uh, you know, Peter, um, you would think Peter would be very bold, but it was just the look of a little, little bitty maid that made him wilt. You got to be able comfortable. If you're going to be a permanent Baptist and tell people about election, you got to be comfortable with people giving you weird looks. Okay, don't be afraid of their looks because <laughs> the Lord will give you the strength that you stand in need of. Okay, this is a quote um, from C.H. Spurgeon. I was, I was asking some uh, minister's advice a couple years ago on a decision I was trying to make and make the right decision. And Brother Michael Goins gave me this quote, and this has just been a beautiful quote. Uh, that I've tried to medita meditate on very often. C.H. Spurgeon. <clears throat> Pay attention to this. If we can have the approbation, the approval of God, if we can have the approval of God together with a placid conscience, peace of conscience, we can afford to be indifferent to the opinions of men, whether they condemn or commend. If we cannot reach this point, we are babes and not men. Part of Christian maturity, perfection as the New Testament calls it, Christian maturity is being able to reason with wisdom and by faith. The right decision to make in the right time, the time to not necessarily, you know, in the areas of Christian liberty, not to compromise, we never compromise, but you know what? I may be willing to defer for the benefit of someone else, for him that's weak in faith. You know, they have an incorrect perspective, but I have the ability to show love to them by graciously doing something that is not going to offend them, even if they're a little bit in the wrong, okay? You have to be able to think through those things as a mature Christian, but a babe can't really think through those things. You know, that those, those Gentiles that were saying, this meat was sacrificed to idols. We can't eat that. But the mature Christian came in and said, yeah, we can, as long as we receive with thanksgiving. But you know what? If it's going to offend that weak brother that's a little confused that still needs some growing, you know what? When I go to his house, I'm just not going to eat that meat. You know, that's, that's mature wisdom in the kingdom of God. So if we can have the approval of God together with a placid, con a peaceful conscience to where the Lord ministers in our, in our heart, well done, thou good and faithful servant, we can afford to be indifferent as the primary determining factor. Again, don't be jerks. Speak the truth in love. And always understand, have enough humility to look in the mirror and say, I may be the one that's wrong, Okay. But that is part of the growth of Christian discipleship. And that's why he says, if you can't reach that point, then you're, you're still a babe in Christ. Mature believers can evaluate these actions through the lens of the fear of the Lord and not only make the right decision for them, but also they can give wise counsel, but also they can instruct others, and even if you reach a different conclusion that your conscience is a little bit different than my conscience, 
at the end of the day, you stand and fall before the Lord, okay? And I can still love someone and support them that has a different, more restrictive conviction of conscience, even if my conscience is not that restrictive, okay? That's wisdom. That's wisdom. And it all starts with the fear of the Lord. Walk in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is, dicta- is what dictates our daily steps, walking in the fear of the Lord. And when we walk in the fear of the Lord, the Lord is gracious to give us not only the comfort of the Holy Ghost, but the multiplication and the growth of his kingdom. And we pray that that will be the case here in our area of the kingdom as well. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.